0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Big Ten Weekly Hoops podcast. Uh, this is Steve here. We're recording on Monday, January 30th, in what has been an eventful week across the conference, um, here with everyone's favorite co-host, Brett. Brett, how you doing?
1: I'm good, Steve. I'm good, Steve. You're, uh, yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it, I'd say.
0: Well, every week is eventful in this conference, but in all seriousness, um, I think we're starting to see some teams separate themselves some perhaps expected others not so expected but we'll get into all that shortly we're going to start out today talking about the Purdue Boilermakers um, and in a, in a way I, I was debating who we wanted to start out with this week just because I think the team we're going to talk about next is arguably had kind a of more surprising week than Purdue but Purdue gets you know an, another duo of impressive wins this week, going to Ann Arbor um, and beating Michigan, uh, and then coming back, turning around, and dominating Michigan State in West Lafayette. Um, so Purdue continues to prove that they're uh, probably far and above the the best team in the conference, not necessarily on talent, but at least in terms of wins and losses, which is just which is the only thing that matters. Zach Udy had, had two big games and continues to be the focal point of that offense. But I mean, Brett, are are we really seeing anything different than what we've been seeing from Purdue up to this point? Or, you know, were these two wins more impressive than any of the others we've seen out of them this far?
1: That's a good question. I think,
0: I mean, obviously they're beating two,
1: two talented teams um, back to back, um, you know, and it's always impressive to pick up a road win, um, especially at Chrysler. But I I mean there's still I still think that the way we've talked about Purdue uh kind of throughout the course of this season has been pretty accurate and but as long as Zach Eadie is playing at a player of the year level, they're going to be incredibly difficult to beat no matter who is on the other side. Uh, and I mean we need to look no further than his game against Michigan State. Fifteen for twenty four from the field, eight of twelve from the line, thirty eight points, thirteen rebounds, three assists, three steals, a block. I mean it's hard to ask for much more than that. Um, I do like that. They kind of tried to keep him in at the end to, to get him to 40 points, even though that didn't end up coming to fruition. We still have, you know, yet to see what happens if like, if they play in Alabama with kind of like bigger, more athletic wings, but that's not really what we're worried about right now. And so, and they also did arguably handle some of those teams earlier in the season anyways. So they're definitely battle tested. They're winning all the games they should. And, I mean, it's it's been very impressive, but I don't necessarily think it's been anything different than what we've been seeing for the past several weeks, really since that that loss to Rutgers, which
0: still only by one point. Yeah. So Purdue Purdue now has three games on the rest of the field and the conference. So I, I know this we, we really weren't expecting this in the beginning of the year, but uh, this may turn into be a snoozer of a race at least. Uh, for for first the rest of the year. Now everything after that is is still a big jumbled mess, really, from second to twelfth in, in the in the conference. Um, and the team that we want to talk about second is the team that currently sits in second, which uh, I don't think there are many people who listen to this show that would have predicted that Northwestern would be sitting in second place in the Big Ten at at six and three heading into February. But nonetheless, here we are. Northwestern goes three for three this past week, um, beating Wisconsin at home on Monday. They got 20 points from Boo Booey in that game. They then turned around and beat Nebraska on Wednesday. Got 26 from Ty Berry. That was um, largely unexpected, an unexpected but um, good performance there. And then um, they beat Northwest they beat Minnesota on saturday by 20 they get 24 from chase each. so three different 20 point scores over the course of the three games from this week i think in the grand scheme of things you know you beat north you beat wisconsin at home that's a win you should get if you're going to make the tournament and then you kind of hold serve against lower teams in the conference so i think in a way you could look at this as northwestern beating up um on on bad teams but on the other hand Especially that Nebraska, you know, when they, they dominated them, they dominated Minnesota. Any initial, like, thoughts, you know, for for Northwestern fans on what you saw, um, given now they're, they're, they're sort of on everyone's radar now um, heading into the second half of conference play?
1: I mean, it was a really, really solid week for Northwestern. I think, you know, if you're a Northwestern fan, and even if you're us, we've kind of been talking about the inevitable collapse for a while. I think a Northwestern team of a couple of years ago would have would have dropped either that Northwest or the the Nebraska or the Minnesota game. Um, but they're playing at a really high level, especially defensively. I think they're still a team that really challenges you to beat them from three. And you know they're they're not they're giving they're not that great at three point defense, but they still they pack the paint really well. They're seventh in the country at 2 point defense uh so defense on 2 point shots they're only allowing 43% on twos so they really do a good job contesting especially at the rim and making you take tough shots and they're willing to sacrifice the 3 and against against some of these teams it's it's worked we'll see um you know kind of how that bears out the rest of the schedule but um I mean I I'd be very I'm very impressed I think they still rely uh on offense on a lot of tough shot generation uh I mean they're 321st in the country and, and two point percentage on offense. So they're relying on Adige and uh, to take a lot of mid range jumpers. And he's, he's been converting especially recently, but I think that, you know, they need to kind of just become a little more accurate. I think to get and take better shots, I'd say, um, in order to really kind of cement themselves as, as contenders for
0: a second a second weekend in the, in the, in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I think a, uh, Here's a fun statistical fact for you. Brett, Northwestern is the only team in the Big Ten to have two players in the top ten in the conference in scoring. Uh, but Chase Aldiz is ninth in the conference in scoring. Boo is tenth in the conference in scoring. So their offense isn't pretty, but I think it's cohesive. And that was a theme that we highlighted about them earlier in the year this year, just based on roster continuity. And, you know, you're, you're kind of seeing it play out this way as uh as things get into to full force and you know at the very least they, they win the games they should be winning. Switching to the other team in the state of Illinois next. So Illinois picked up two wins this week too. They now slide into a tie for third in the conference at six and four after a really, really rough start. Uh, they beat Ohio State this week and then got uh, a, a pivotal win um, against Wisconsin this weekend, which um, arguably did, you know, may have done more damage to Wisconsin than it did good for Illinois. You know, it, it, it's really felt to me like this Illinois team is, is playing more cohesively on offense since the removal of Sky Clark. And I don't know if it was a chemistry thing. Um, you know, Michael Mayer had... Probably his best game of the season on on Saturday, you know, scoring 26 points at the Cole Center. But their offense feels a lot more flowing there for the most part. Playing better on defense and um, timely transition buckets when they need them. You're sort of starting to see Brad Underwood finally get the staple of you know his handprint on this team in in place as. They're hitting the dog days of the season. Um, what did you see against? What did you see from Illinois, particularly in that game against Wisconsin, um, which you know, as as you know better than anyone, the Kohl Center is really, really a tough place for road teams to come in and get a win.
1: Yeah, I mean, so that that game against Wisconsin did set the Big Ten record this season for fewest points in the first half. It was twenty to sixteen at halftime. As as You know, it looked like Wisconsin's defense was was really kind of setting the tone and they were playing great. It was just they couldn't hit open shots. And then they faded down the stretch when they, you know, they they briefly did take the lead and then lost by 10. So it's it's was really a tale of, of two just totally different halves of basketball. But I think the big thing is I really liked seeing Underwood understand that. You know, Wisconsin did not have the size. And Wisconsin was finally playing fully healthy for the first time in six games uh, with Max Klezman back after his his injury and Tyler Wall uh, back at, at full strength. But the big lineup that they employed with with Matt, Matthew Meyer at the three and then Coleman Hawkins and Dane Danger was really, really kind of lethal because Wisconsin doesn't have the wing size. Connor Asijin, who's, you know, charitably six five, was guarding Meyer the entire game. And Meyer was just able to shoot over him kind of without any consequences he he always had good looks at the basket i think he hit six threes um and he really kind of showed the offensive prowess that we were expecting as he as he came into this season. And so I think, especially with with Jaden Epps leading leading the charge, handling the ball, I think we're seeing, like you said, a much more cohesive unit. And obviously Terrence Shannon and Tyler Wall both got into foul trouble early, so their contributions were somewhat limited, especially in the first half. But um it looks like Dange is becoming more comfortable in the post and playing Hawkins at the four and Dange at the five with Meyer at the three really lets the Atlanta use their size and athleticism advantage uh to to generate a lot more offense, which is what we saw kind of once they really got into the flow uh, in the second half. So I think, yeah, big win for the Illini to, to really kind of keep to build another another streak and kind of on the flip side with Wisconsin. I, I mean, ugh, God, uh, the the offense is is almost nowhere to be found. You know, they they got blown out at Maryland. Uh, the Northwestern game, obviously, no Max Klesmet really didn't help on the defensive end. And And but we're seeing depth really become an issue. They have no essentially no bench. Um, Besides now Jordan Davis, who's coming off the bench, but is liable to to disappear at times. Uh, and they've, they've got to get something figured out on the offense, whether that's, you know, just attacking the post more, which does seem to lead to better opportunities. But it seems like they miss a ton of layups. So it's two two teams definitely trending in opposite directions as a result of that that Illinois Wisconsin game. But again, a huge road win for the Illini as as they're really, like you said, playing their best basketball of the season
0: uh, at this point. I think the the one other thing I'd point out about Illinois is just so it appears that they've shrunk their rotation down to six guys for the most part, which I think has a lot to do with um, that cohesion and everything we've talked about. But it's you're sort of playing with a little bit of fire when um, you do it that way, especially, you know, if you're going to do things like press and run out in transition um, or if a big guy gets in foul trouble, you know what happens. I know they, they do have a lot of flexibility with those with those six guys and that you know you can slide Hawkins down to the five if you need to against some big guys but you know you can also sort of play him at point forward he's, he's a guy that I think really opens up what you can do with that offense just because he's kind of a I don't want to call him a playmaker but he kind of is a playmaker you know he's not the, he's not a pure scorer but he is a playmaker and you know in, in some ways allows them to get away maybe without a like true true point guard in sense but but we'll watch that development I think as the season progresses another team on a hot streak that we wanted to mention was the Indiana Hoosiers they got a trickier than expected road win against Minnesota who they, they, they've they been playing people tougher of late so we shouldn't discount them Chris Jackson Davis had 25 and 21 in that game um, he continues to be dominant and then um, they beat Ohio State in prime time on Saturday night, pretty handedly. And you know, Jalen Huchefino had a had a breakout game there, but that game was, um, I think, played within a double digit Indiana lead for for most of it. Um, so you know, we're starting to see them trend in the right direction. at the Two times I know, I know, you know uh, Indiana and Illinois were kind of the two teams we had kind of pegged for the top of the conference when. Um, we did our initial podcast here they're both part of that three-way tie with Rutgers for third in the conference so definitely trending up at the right time and I think uh, arguably there's more upside for Indiana because they're doing this when they're not you know fully healthy um, so what do you think the outlook is for the Hoosiers going forward
1: I mean it's you you, you kind of said it they're really they're really getting their, their stuff together I think now that Again, Mike Woodson has started listening to me and giving Trace Jackson Davis the ball a lot more. Uh things are things are going well. Who who would have thought? But yeah, I think they're getting enough contributions from, from their bench. I think we're still a little wary of their depth. I know like Malik Renew, he finally had a really good game against Ohio State. I believe 15 points there. And so that that could be a, a launch pad of sorts because he's been timid and and not kind of necessarily exactly what everyone expected him to be. Jalen Hoochino is still really good. They still, I mean, they hit they hit 50% of their threes against an Ohio State team that are, you know, is not a great defensive team, but I mean in in their last in their last four games they or they've beaten Illinois on the road, Michigan State and and a, you know, a talented Ohio State team. So, I think there are still definitely concerns about how the the depth will hold up and how, you know, Race Thompson is going to fully come back from his injuries. He played 21 minutes um against against Ohio State um and they are getting some production out of their bench in terms of Tamar Bates and and Caleb Banks. So, you know, being able to kind of give their guys a spell will definitely uh definitely help because they've got kind of a grinder of a of a couple of weeks coming up. But I think, you know, we're our, our initial demise of their season from a few weeks ago seems to have uh, you know, not been the death knell for their season.
0: Yeah, here's the interesting thing to point out, um and, and we haven't talked too much about like individual award races yet, but um, I I I think Zach Yudy's probably going to run away with Conference Player of the Year, but you know when we look at um, first team All Conference and 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 those, I mean, I I almost wonder, you know, if we have to start talking about Trace Jackson Davis, not just for Player of the Year, but I don't know what they're going to do with the list this year, just because when you look at so. Three of the top four scorers in the league this year are all big guys. You know, Edie leads the way. He's got – it's not just the scoring with these guys. Edie's averaging 22 a game, 13 rebounds, um, 1.4 assists and 2.2 2 blocks. But Trace Jackson Davis, you know, only a two and a half points behind at 19.6 points a game, 10.7 rebounds, also a double-double. But he's, aver- he's averaging almost four assists a game and three blocks a game. So he's got a full block over ed you know and then you have hunter dickinson next in scoring at 17.7 points per game um, not as prolific on the other stats but um seeing those three guys and how they figure out all conference will be interesting but yeah i mean should, should we start talking about trace jackson davis for player of the year i mean
1: i think well, at least one of us had Trace Jackson Davis, I think. So, you know, we can say we were we were ahead of the curve here. Not that that was a super controversial pick by any stretch of the imagination. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, everyone's going to get caught up in the fact that if Purdue does run away with the conference, I think that has a big, you know, will have a big impact on on how this that race gets decided. But I, I do think especially at this point, I think uh, I think there's not enough talk about about Trace Jackson Davis, which is which is really interesting because I think. You know, coming he, he obviously has his limitations as a player. Um, I think that's pretty obvious by the fact that I don't think he's taken a single three this year. Yeah, and he shoots I don't think
0: Edie has either.
1: Right. And he shoots under seventy percent from the line. Um, but I mean his defen his impact on the defensive end really can't be uh talked about enough, especially because he's not a seven foot four, like tall man just patrolling the paint. You know, he's been very good. Indiana's a top fifty defense. I think I think by, when all is said and done, it's going to be a harder choice than people think it will be right now.
0: Yeah, that that's for sure. A, a couple other think, quicker things to note from this week before we get into the preview for next week. So uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes, who have you know, been a hotter team of late, they, uh, they were not able to get it done at the Breslin Center middle of the week. But they <laughs> took out their anger on this proclaimed— you know, vaunted defense of the Rutgers-Scarlet Knights. They put up 93 on them at Carver-Hawkeye, which I don't know. Like, I don't think Iowa putting up 93 is shocking in a vacuum. But, you know, we've typically seen these Iowa Rutgers games be low scoring. So, you know, that, that I think was a shock on a couple of fronts. A, we've seen kind of Rutgers nestled near the top of the conference standings all year. So I was surprised that they went away from what's gotten them there. In in this game, but you know, I think Iowa keeps punching back, and despite their, you know, that bad loss that they have to Eastern Illinois, I think they're still actually, you know, okay when it comes to tourney position. Like on the flip side of that, we saw uh, Michigan went 0 and 2 this week, including getting dominated uh, by Penn State. You know, it seems like Penn State's for real from a tournament perspective. There, I think most of the bracket predictors have them sort of on you know right on the cusp of either you know just in or just out um, so that was a I think, big win for them uh, on the flip side it pushes Michigan to the, the brink of you know they're, they're kind of on the brink of desperation right now they'll need to go on a winning streak um, not unlike Ohio State to keep their tournament hopes alive um, anything to note from either of those two outcomes before we get to the preview
1: it is kind of interesting watching uh, Penn State and Michigan play each other, because in theory, both of them are horrible matchups for the other on the offensive end. You know, you've got Hunter Dickinson, who is bigger and stronger than pretty much anybody else on uh, on Penn State and a, a Penn State team that doesn't have much height to begin with. So they've even kind of resorted to throwing guys like Evan Mahaffey in the center spot just to kind of have some more athleticism over Keba Jai. But uh, I mean, and so it looks for a bit like Michigan was kind of hanging with them, and then and then Penn State just exploded offensively, and, and Michigan really had no answer defensively for for Pickett's post ups, for the shooting, for kind of anything. So it was somewhat surprising to see Penn State just run away like that. But I, I I do agree. I think I think they're really making a case. And actually, I'm surprised Bracket Matrix has them out right now as of as of yesterday. But I think that that is uh, likely due to a change. It's it's. You know, we'll talk resumes as it gets closer to the to the tournament. But you know they're, you know, kind of going back and forth with a couple of all right losses. But you know they're they're gonna hopefully need to they're gonna need to start stacking wins. But it's it's it is very impressive what what Micah Shrewsbury has done. And I I think we may need a, an entire podcast to apologize to Jalen Pickett at some point in uh, in the near future. Um, what are
0: we apologizing him for?
1: But uh, when in our preseason podcast we uh, were very dismissive of his inclusion on the first team All Big Ten. By we, I mean probably just me. But, Thanks for but, you the know, clarification there. But you know what? You're 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 a part of this podcast, so we owe him we will we will likely owe him an apology. Uh but yeah, so I think I think yeah, Iowa again like scores a lot of points and in, in the 1.2 points per possession that was their their output against Rutgers is not super far off of their, their season average. However, doing so against Rutgers is very impressive. And you know, they made 12 threes, they They're fifty percent from from three, but it really was a a very rounded and and balanced contribution kind of against again what we've kind of held to be the gold standard of of Big Ten defense, um, you know four guys in double figures uh, and then four other guys with between seven and nine points that's that's the recipe for beating a good team and it, and uh, you know it was good to see Patrick McCaffrey getting getting back out there uh, after a, a bit of a breakaway from from the team so yeah very interesting game
0: yeah Carver Hawkeyes turning into the course field of a uh, Big Ten <laughs> basketball arenas but. I'm gonna stash that joke away and use it in a couple seconds here so moving on to the previews all right I'll kick us off with Tuesday so we got three games on Tuesday Nebraska goes to Illinois um I, I given how Illinois has been playing of late I, I do not expect a letdown here they look locked in and focused but that's always when Nebraska tends to bite you so maybe Illinois be on alert but they keep playing the way they've been playing this they should handle them easily Speaking of the Coors field of basketball arenas, Northwestern heads to Iowa to take on the Hawkeyes. So reason why I'm interested in this game is Northwestern's on a hot streak, but they struggled to score as we talked about. So it'd be kind of good offense a good, against good defense. We'll see if Northwestern's defense can carry them um, on the road there. Uh, they'll have to find a way to slow down Keegan Murray, but I think I was shown that Even when you look at that loss that they had to Michigan State, Keegan Murray essentially did nothing for the last 15 minutes of that game, and they still almost won in East Lansing. So, um, you know, Iowa's still got different ways that they can come at you. And just kind of like, honestly, at the end of last year, they're getting hot at the right time, too. So I think this should be – we'll see whether – if it's a high-scoring affair, Iowa wins. If it's lower-scoring, Northwestern probably pulls it out. And then Indiana goes to Maryland – Same kind of story here. I think Maryland could really use this win to help their tournament resume, but it's all going to be about whether they can stop Trace Jackson Davis. And I don't really know that Julian Reese can hang with him in the post from a strength perspective. So um, if they're going to win, it's going to be, it's going to need to be Donta Scott and the guards, especially with Indiana still kind of reeling from injuries a little bit. Although, Shafino, you know really had a good week this week so he may be able to offset that but Maryland really really needs this win a lot more than Indiana does for what are you seen on Wednesday
1: Yeah so uh we've
0: got Penn State
1: heading to Mackey and again uh kind of a game similar to their game against Michigan where it's just kind of an immediate clash of styles uh Obviously Purdue is going to look to work through ED and we've seen like the game against like the game we saw last week, you know, where he had 38 points against, against Michigan state. He can, he can do it. They can keep feeding him. He can take a bunch of shots. Uh, he can be efficient. Penn state does not have the height at all to stop him. Very interested to see uh, Pickett, you know, kind of working in the post against uh, whichever one of the guards. So whether that's Smith or, or Fletcher lawyer that Purdue throws at him. And I mean, Penn state is just going to keep bombing from three and you know, then the way that Penn state's going to play this game is that three is greater than two and hope to hope to win that way. So I think, I mean, if they can hit 40% of their threes on high volume, they got a chance to win this game. If the threes are not falling and in Mackey, we know that that's, that's liable to happen. Uh, it could be a long night for the Nittany lions. Um, we have Minnesota going to Rutgers. Rutgers will seek to bounce back from that loss to Iowa. Uh, by just absolutely putting the clamps on Minnesota. Uh, I'm not sure if Dawson Garcia is going to be healthy, uh, in which case I expect Rutgers to make Jameson Battle's life a living hell by throwing you know, a variety of, of Mag and McConnell, Mulcahy, Adam, and just really making him work for it, because let's be honest, the rest of that lineup isn't getting it done. Uh, I like Rutgers big in that one.
0: All right, on Thursday. So I'm starting to think that for Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Michigan, it's this is sort of like an— the elimination week, I think, for all of them. Maybe it was Wisconsin for the least so, but um, Wisconsin heads to Columbus uh, on Thursday. And, I mean, yeah, Ohio State probably can't afford to lose this game if they want, I think, any chance of making the tournament. They've been trending in the wrong direction, and I think we've documented that a lot here. But the, uh, dropping this game might not be a bad loss. I mean, they're, they're going to run out of opportunities to – have a record that is anywhere near, I think, you know, justifiable from the tournament's perspective. So um, I'm, I'm probably starting out here looking in the post uh, just to see how Wisconsin's kind of, you know, now more healthy front court can handle uh, Zed Key. But on the flip side, you know, I think Sensenpah is a difference maker for Ohio State on the perimeter. If he gets hot, I don't know that Wisconsin has the firepower to match. Um, and then Michigan heads to Northwestern. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a game that Michigan can win, especially with a healthy uh, Jet Howard at, um, back back after a brief, after missing the Purdue game with an injury. Um, and, you know, they should have an advantage down low with Hunter Dickinson, but it's really just going to be, you know, does Northwestern's team defense shut down the rest of them? And uh, does Northwestern get enough? you know, in one-on-one situations from Boo Booey and Chase Audish. Um, so, yeah, this, because of COVID layoff, this will be Northwestern's, I think, second game in three days. So this is kind of a, a good opportunity for Michigan to be able to get this. But um, we'll see. Northwestern's, you know, now suddenly hot, um, and it's tough to run on the road in the conference.
1: All right, so moving on to Saturday, uh, we have a – more healthy Michigan State going to Rutgers in uh, what I believe is Michigan State's first game of the week and only game of the week. So they'll be they'll be uh, they'll be rested. And again, having Malik Hall back, he he returned against Iowa is a huge boost for this team. Uh, this game is not going to be pretty. It will be very ugly and very defensive oriented. You know, I think that um you know, Rutgers will have a have the luxury of just of being at home and they'll be looking to avenge their 13 point loss uh, in East Lansing. So I think, again, Hall coming back big, big offensive advantage. I think they're going to look to really get obviously Hugard working, driving downhill into the paint, looking to distribute uh, Tyson Walker. But I think that, again, it, it should be that Rutgers should be ready for that. They've, they've got all this on film now. Um, They've got time to adjust. And I think that they can they can they can definitely win this game. I think it's, it should be a pretty, I think it should be a close game. Um, I think Rutgers at home edges them out, but, um, I, I really think it, it is kind of a toss up. Uh, and then we've got, you know, uh, Illinois going to car to Carver Hawkeye. I think this is going to be a very interesting game. Um, because you've got a suddenly gelling Illinois team and an Iowa team. That's really putting it together on the offensive end as well. Um, Coleman Hawkins is probably going to draw Chris Murray, uh, at least to start. And especially if, uh, you know they they play if they play big I like Danger who had a really nice game against Wisconsin uh, to play well against Rebracha but I Hawkins if he draws Murray on defense is you know there there's sometimes loses his head a little bit and I think that Murray's good enough to really take advantage of that matchup um it was even it was kind of telling that Wisconsin sent Carter Gilmore at Coleman Hawkins multiple times in the post It kind of shows you what teams think of his ability to to defend in the post. Um, but I think that Iowa's cadre of guards is really going to need to step up, uh, cause it could be another big game for Meyer. Who's really starting to catch fire, uh, Purdue going to Indiana. I mean, game of the week potential right here. Um, two very hot teams in state rivalry, uh, blue, the, the, uh, the assembly hall should be rocking. And I think that, I mean, I mean, you've got two of the best big men in the country, uh, and each doing kind of. You know, it's it's going to be a very similar style sort of game. I think whoever whatever team gets hot from three will end up winning this game. But also, I think, you know, Indiana, that arena is going to be loud. I think there's a definite chance for them to pull off the upset there. Um, they're just going to have to contain Edie because, again, we've shown that he we, he's shown that he can shoulder that scoring load and really, uh, really make things happen. So I think if, if he gets enough support from the guards, Purdue should should win this one. And then we have Maryland going to Minnesota game. Maryland absolutely has to have if they're trying to keep their season, their tournament hopes alive. Um, And, you know, we'll see what Minnesota's health looks like, but uh, I think Jameer young is primed for another really big game against an overmatched Minnesota backcourt. All right. And
0: then finally to the games on Sunday. So first Ohio state heads to Michigan. I think you're going to see two really desperate teams fighting for their seasons in this one. However, I think the, uh, what type of, I think mentality each team brings really will depend on the outcomes of the games early in the week. Um, because I think if, if either of these teams suffer a loss on Thursday, you know, uh, you, you might start to see things fall apart in this game for any of them, but if they don't, if they both win, they'll still have the feeling that they have a lot to play for in the season. So I think the storyline coming into this, particularly the outcomes of the game on Thursday, probably, is a more important factor than anything you'll see on the court for that game um penn state going to nebraska i would um go in eyes wide open to this game um uh, just you know penn state will be coming off a mentally exhausting game against purdue early in the week um it's second road game in a, uh, in a row um you know kind of longest trip for them uh this this is a game you cannot lose if you want Uh, to make the tournament because this loss will do more damage than a win will do good. Um, So look for them to lean on their um, one-on-one playmakers in this game as, as they always do. Um, And, you know, try to find a way to contain Derek Walker Jr. We'll see if they, they try to double, but defensive game plan will be paramount there. And then finally Northwestern goes uh, to Madison. This is a rematch of a game that just took place last week. Um, and it was a close game, so I'd expect um, something I'd expect something similar. And again, um, this will be Northwestern's third game of the week, so we'll see what role tired legs play into that. Um, and I would expect Wisconsin to have a slight edge uh, just because of the sense of desperation around them. and I'd expect their role players to play better at home. That's all we have for you guys this week. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Season's heating up. Um, We have lots of teams going in lots of different directions here. So we'll see if the hot teams stay hot and if the teams on the brink can fight back to survive to the next week. See you guys next week.